0: Good morning Canopy family. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Canopy. It's really great to be back with you this morning. Uh, My family and I had an opportunity to get away on an amazing vacation and we had a great time. Can't wait to tell you all about it. Uh, But we did miss you while we're gone and we're so grateful that we're back with you uh, worshiping, studying God's Word together, praying together. It's good to be back. Um, Before we dive into God's Word today, we'll be in Psalm chapter 19. But before we get there, um, I've got a little bit of bad news and some good news uh, the bad news is that Sydney who you just saw us lead in uh, lead us in worship has recently moved to Nashville she got an amazing new job out there uh, and about uh, a week ago now she moved out to Nashville and we are going to miss her dearly Sydney has been an amazing part of this community uh, and has invested in so many powerful ways. Uh, She has been a gifted and anointed worship leader for our whole community. She's been uh, such a a key piece of our Costa Mesa 2 house church family. She's an amazing baker. We're going to miss Sydney's baked goods and uh, so many other uh, good things that she brings to our community. So Sydney, I want you to know that you are dearly loved and you will be very missed. And we're so grateful that you are part of our community. Uh, the good news is that uh, in this time where we're doing a lot of stuff online and we're doing a, you know, a lot of video stuff together, um, Sydney is, has assured us that she's going to remain a part of our community. So we will still see her in Costa Mesa 2 house church calls on Zoom. We'll still see her tuning in online with us. And you will even see her from time to time leading worship from Nashville. So we're so excited about that. Um, the other piece of good news, really good news, as many of you know already is that last weekend, Reunion Church uh, joined the Canopy family. So we are now one church, and this is their first weekend as part of our online service. And we're so grateful and so excited that God is bringing these two stories together. And we wanna say again, welcome to the Reunion crew. We're so glad you're a part of Canopy. We can't wait to be together in person and to celebrate and to get to know one another more. Uh, But you will be seeing more of the Reunion crew on these online calls, uh, and so welcome them get to know them. We're so grateful they're here. Uh, That said, we're going to go ahead and dive into God's word together in Psalm chapter 19 uh, as part of our Finding Freedom in the Wilderness series. So throughout this COVID season, we've been having this conversation uh, that we've called Finding Freedom in the Wilderness. That's all about the kind of stuff that God does in us and through us in the wilderness to make us more of who we already are, or as we say around Canopy, to make us more free. Um, the basic premise here is that in Jesus, God has set us free once and for all that that is a final finished act. but now we have to learn what that means. We have to learn how to live into that new reality of freedom that God has given us we 're catching up to what he 's already done to what 's already true of us, and the Bible shows us time and again that much of that work of becoming free of, of learning who we are happens in the wilderness we 're in this pla- when we 're in this place of 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 uncertainty and uncomfortability kind of out in uncharted territory or way over our heads. Those are the kind of places that God teaches us who we already are. Um, In other words, in this season that is so difficult and so uncertain, we don't believe that God did this to us, but we believe that he's not going to waste it and he's going to use this wilderness season to show us who we are and to set us more and more free to help us live into that reality. Um, and we're going to be wrapping up over the next couple of weeks, this conversation about finding freedom in the wilderness. And in September, uh, we're going to start a new conversation more on that in the near future. Um, but as we talk about finding freedom in the wilderness, we started this conversation, this series uh, with all of the stuff that God tends to do in a season like this. Uh, and now over the last several weeks, we've began to change the conversation into all of the ways that we can partner with him in that work. So Instead of you know resisting God as He takes us through the wilderness, He is uh, we're now partnering with Him and participating with Him in that work. Paul says in the book of Philippians that I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me, and I, I just have this picture of my six-year-old son in the grocery store when there's all sorts of stuff around that is interesting to him and, and I'm holding on to his hand, but he's not holding on to mine. If you have kids or have been around kids, you know what that's like. You're holding them and you're going one direction, but they're not holding you and they're trying to go a very different direction. And that's what I think Paul might be getting to in Philippians when he says, I press on to take hold of that for which he has already taken hold of me. In other words, I don't want him just to drag me to freedom in this wilderness. I want to walk with him. I want to participate with him. And that's the conversation we've been having over the past several weeks. How do we do that? What are some habits or some disciplines, some rhythms that we can put into place in our lives that help us to participate with the grace of God as he teaches us to grow into our identities, to grow into the freedom that he's already given us? We've talked over the past several weeks about uh, gathered community, about how that's a habit, about gathering together and not forsaking our gathering together, and that through community, God teaches us the ways of freedom. We've talked over the past couple weeks about Sabbath and how rest is integral to to the people of God becoming who they already are. We've even started a course, uh, Dana Sanders and Linda Dahl, our, our very own, have started this course uh, called the Habits Course. The subtitle is "Free to Be Free," um, about habits that we can implement in our lives and spiritual disciplines that can help us to become more free. And if you um, if you have missed that class so far, we're two weeks in. We're starting the third week this week. It's not too late. It's not too late to jump in at all. There will be information um, after the service. You can go to canopy.church forward slash Recap, and you'll find the link to the Habits page. Uh, you can sign up, and you can still join us. So. Good things are happening. Today, I want to talk via Psalm 19 about another habit that is absolutely essential to our finding freedom in the wilderness. Uh, And to help with that, I've enlisted some of the reunion crew to read the scripture today. So reunion, take it away. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run to his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to his eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, and honey from the comb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive, forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thank you, Reunion Crew. Uh, It's such a beautiful psalm, famous psalm, uh, especially that first part that talks about the glory of God reflected in his creation. And I know many of you, if not all of you, have had that experience uh, where we sit in God's creation, whether you're a beach or a mountains kind of person and are just awestruck by the wonder and the beauty and the power and the grandeur of this God uh, we can learn, David says, something about the character of God by observing what he's made. Just like an artist, you can know something about the artist by looking at their masterpiece. The same is true of creation. We can look at creation, David says, and, and and its voiceless language speaks to us about the character of God. It sort of leads us to this place of transcendence. It takes us right to the edge of mystery where we're just awestruck by this amazing God who is so beautiful and so powerful and so big and and creation here reveals the goodness of God this is a powerful truth and if you haven't had time recently to soak in this truth I encourage you get to the beach get to the mountains get wherever you need to go to sit in God's creation and wonder marvel at how powerful, how glorious, how beautiful he is, and allow that to lead you, to lead your soul into a place of profound worship. Uh, This is good, and this is right that we do this. But what's interesting about this psalm is how David says, uh, no sooner has he kind of introduced that concept in the first six verses, that he actually almost dismisses it in the rest of the passage. He makes this hard turn where he says, that's good. It's good to observe the character of God in creation, but it's not enough. And uh, what's interesting here is there's something linguistic that's happening in Hebrew that's really important. Um, in the first six verses, David is talking about God. The heavens declare the glory of God. And that word God in Hebrew is Elohim, which just means God. It's like the generic word for the great God. Um, but then in verse 7, he, talk, he stops talking about God generically and talks about the Lord capital L-O-R-D. Now, whenever you see that capital Lord in the Old Testament, always the word behind it in Hebrew is the word Yahweh, which is not a generic word, but is actually the personal name that God gave to his people. So you'll remember, we studied that story in Exodus when Moses was at the burning bush, and he asks what to call God by, and and God says, I am that which I am. And later on, he says to Moses, your ancestors knew me as El Elyon, as the great God. Again, a different way of saying that. But by my name, my personal name, Yahweh, they didn't know me. And what God was saying is from here on out, you will know me not just as an impersonal creator, glorious God, but as a personal God who walks alongside you. Both of those things now come together in this name, Yahweh. It's really, really significant. This name, Yahweh, is the name of relationship. And what David is saying here in Psalm 19 is you can know something of the creator God by looking at his creation, but you can only know Yahweh, the personal, intimate, relational God, by a word. In other words, that voiceless language of creation is not enough to get you to Yahweh. If you want to know him, he has to speak to you. And David is in awe of the fact that that's exactly what he does that he is a God who delights in speaking to his people, who loves to initiate relationship through his word. And David gives us these these kind of six statements in verses seven to nine about the word of God, the law of God, statutes of God, precepts, commands, fear of God, the decrees of the Lord. He talks about these things in glowing terms, and I wish we had time to dive into each of these statements, but but they're really summarized for us in verse 10, where David says the law of God is more precious than gold, than much pure gold. It's sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. And that picture there, that that vibrant image that he's giving us there speaks to three things. He's saying that the word of God, the law of God is beautiful. You know, he talks about it being sweeter than honey on the honeycomb, which is really, really interesting because Just like today, honey back then was used as a sweetener, which which means it was a luxury item. And David is saying, look, this is a luxury. This is a great, extravagant, opulent, over-the-top gift that God has given us. Second thing he says is it's more valuable than gold, more desirable than gold. In other words, given the choice between all of the money he could ever want And the word of God, David says, I choose the word of God every time. I would rather know him than have anything my heart desires. And this is reflected in all of the Psalms. You know, David says, "Uh, better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than a king elsewhere. You know, I mean, it's like glowing language where he speaks to, look, if I had another Psalm, if I had one thing that I could ask for, one wish, it would be to sit in his house, and gazed on his beauty all the days of my life. David is saying here, look, there is nothing more valuable than knowing God. And because his word reveals him, this word is more precious than gold. It's more valuable. And it's not just valuable in abstract. The third thing is it's valuable because it's useful. It's useful to us for our lives. Here's here's the, the great wonder here is the word of God is Both uh, the revelation of God to us and then also the revelation of ourselves. See, here's the thing the the very first couple chapters of this book, of the Law of God, reveal to us that we're made in the image of God, which means if we want to know ourselves, we have to know Him. We're a part of that creation and we reflect uh, His glory in profound ways. But if we want to really know ourselves intimately and relationally, if we want to know somebody else in that way, the best way to do that is to know God. And that revelation of our self comes from this revelation of him that's given in his word. And so this word is useful to us. That's why it's so valuable because it can teach us how to live well. Notice what it says here. It says the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I love this statement. Because wisdom in Hebrew, uh, in the Hebrew concept, is not about the acquisition of knowledge. Notice that in verse 2, it says that the heavens, night after night, they reveal knowledge. They reveal information. But wisdom is always information or knowledge applied to life. So in the Hebrew concept... Wisdom is the art of living well, not just thinking well, but living well. And David says the word of God teaches you how to live well. It's not just a spiritual thing. It's not just kind of an abstraction. It actually can change the way that you live this life. He says uh, that, the, word, that the, the decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. And righteous isn't just this, this religious word. It means all of them are right. They teach you how to live rightly. They teach you a a worldview, a frame of reference that help you to navigate this life well. And I'm looking at the world around us right now and I'm saying, yes, Lord, please help us. Help me because it's so confusing and it feels like the rules change all the time and the sands are shifting under our feet. But David says this word, this this, this word is enduring forever. It's solid and we can stand on it. It can help to shape our worldview, give us lenses through which we can can look at the world and teach us how to live uh, in confusing and difficult circumstances. Um, I love the the very first statement here. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing to the soul. Um, Man, I think that's probably the most powerful statement in this whole thing. Uh, because it doesn't necessarily mean what we think it means. You know, in English, refreshing to the soul is something you say about like, I don't know, like a, a a good meal or a vacation or time with friends. It's like, oh, that was so refreshing. I needed that so much. It's like this kind of emotional or spiritual hit that just gives us a little bit of, you know, oomph to get through the day. Um, that's not what it means. Now, that that's not to say it doesn't happen. It's not to say that sometimes when we're reading uh, the word of God, the Holy Spirit doesn't just show up and give us, just a little extra strength or a little extra joy. That certainly happens, but that's not actually the fullness of what's being said here. In, in, in Hebrew, the, the refreshing the soul um, is a really, really important concept. Refreshing, first of all, doesn't just mean like, ah, like I took a drink of something and it was so refreshing. It means renewing. It means to restore or to make something new again. And soul, this is a really important word. The word in Hebrew is nephesh. Uh And in our kind of, Western civilization, our mindset, we tend to have um, this division between body and soul. And soul is everything that is spiritual, and body is everything that's physical, and the two are separated. But this word nephesh in Hebrew, the first time we see it is in the book of Genesis, where it says, God breathed into them the breath of life, and man or humans became a living being. That's a much better way of putting it being. It doesn't mean Kind of the, the spiritual half of you, it means the whole of you. It means all of you. It means your emotions, it means your social life, it means your physical life, it means your spiritual life, it means your, your, your aesthetic life, your ability to, to grasp beauty. it means all of you. A nephish, a soul is a, is a whole person. So when we start to think about it in those terms, it doesn't mean that you get this spiritual or emotional hit. It doesn't mean that there's like this, this recharge of my spirit that happens. It means that there's a renewal of my being, a restoring of my humanity is maybe another way to put it. Think about that for a second. What David's saying here is not that the law of God makes me feel good for a couple of hours, helps me get through my day. He's saying the law of God restores my humanity. It makes me again into who I was made to be, to put this into canopy language. It makes us free. This is how we become more free. It's by knowing who God is through his word and then in that way coming to know ourselves as well. This is valuable. It's beautiful, it's valuable, it's useful. And David is absolutely overwhelmed by those truths. He says, essentially, God, you're so good. This is a psalm of worship to a God, Yahweh, who reveals himself through his word. And I'm just sitting here saying, look, I want to have this kind of relationship with the word of God so that I can have this kind of relationship with God so that I can know myself. David's overwhelmed about the Bible. He's not talking about something he has to do out of obligation, which is something that I default into sometimes. You know, I've been reading the Bible for a long time and sometimes when I open it, it's just like, ah, I've already read this here we go again. This is confusing. I, you know, I mean, all of the different emotions, but notice the emotions that David's expressing here. It's not obligation. It's delight. It's, it's not even that he's a guy talking about something that's like, well, I don't really want to, but I know it's good for me. It's kind of like eating vegetables. Like, I'll just, let, let's just get it over with so I can get on with my day. That's not how he talks about it. He's ta- this is the language of somebody who's in love. He's obsessed with the word of God, enamored by the word of God and utterly captivated by a God who loves his people so much that he chooses to reveal himself in this way. And I got to tell you one thing, David is talking about Leviticus here. (laughs) He's talking about the Torah, the first five books, the stuff that we try to get through as quick as we can in our Bible reading plans. He doesn't have the book of John, you know, chapter four, where Jesus demonstrates his love to the Samaritan woman in powerful ways. He doesn't have any of the revelation of Jesus in the cross. He doesn't have everything that we have. He doesn't have the Psalms that we're reading right now, and he still says, God, you're so good, and you're so beautiful that you reveal yourself in this way. And man, having what we have, so much more riches, so much more revelation than David ever had. I'm just um, profoundly convicted and, um, inspired to take the Bible and say, ah, God, this is so good. I'm so grateful. I want to, I want to learn more about you. I want to learn to live well. I I, I want, I want everything you have for me in this word. And that's a habit that I think we need to continue to double down on in the wilderness. And that's a habit that's actually been uh, foundational to Canopy for our, from the very beginning, a reading plan that we're actually in together. And I want to kind of confess to you, I, I've been doing the reading plan, but um, I think it's just sort of become sort of a back burner thing for me uh, and probably for some in our community. And I, I, I want to rededicate ourselves to that. This is not just about my personal reading of the Word of God, but about us reading the Word of God and studying it in community. Um, and I want to, in the near future, I'm going to talk about some different ways that we can begin to study the Word of God more carefully together. Um, but for the moment, we do have this reading plan, and I encourage you, if you're doing it, to keep doing it. If you're not, to dive in and to begin reading the Word of God in community together. All the details of the reading plan are on Slack. Uh, they'll also be on the website. Um, and then one last thing, I know that there have been different seasons where we've been more intentional about the reading plan. and We've actually interacted with one another um, via the Uversion app, um, the problem right now is that we're not able to create our own custom reading plans on the Uversion app, um, and so that makes it a little bit difficult to interact. So I thought maybe we could try something just as an experiment. I know many of you are using this app called Marco Polo to stay in touch, and I'm wondering if what we couldn't do is start a Canopy Marco Polo conversation about our reading plan. So here's we're gonna we're gonna give it a try. We're gonna experiment. I'm going to start a Marco Polo channel. I will put the link on the website. Um, I'll send it out via Slack. We'll send it out via email. Um, and I would love for this week for us to begin having conversations, just sh- shooting short videos as you're reading or after you're reading with your thoughts, with questions you might have. And let's just start a conversation, a dialogue with one another on Marco Polo about the Word of God. Look, the Word of God is valuable. It's useful. It's beautiful. And uh, if we're taking this uh, passage, Psalm 19, seriously, it is how God will set us more and more free. It's how he'll teach us to be who we are. So let's dive into this. Um, last thing I'll say before we uh, head back into worship. Um, several years ago, I saw this video, maybe some of you saw uh, of a missionary film, Chinese Christians receiving their Bible for the first time. And I thought this would be, a powerful way for us to head into worship as we think about the beauty, the value, and the usefulness of the word of God is to watch this video of Chinese Christians receiving their Bibles and to say, to pray to God, to give us the same heart, to give us the same love that they have. So Father, we are so grateful that you love us and that you have given us your word as a tangible um, revelation of yourself and revelation of your love and your grace. God, would you inspire us anew to be students, to be uh, to be passionate about your word, we love you. We love you. Love us enough to speak to us, and show yourself to us. Thank you, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. Canopy. I'm going to show this video, and then let's worship together.